Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. I'm Marshall. And I'm Nick. And with us once again is our great friend, Mr. Will Ralston. Say hello. How you doing, buddy? Hello, hello. I'm alive. <laughs> You're alive. Feels good. Yeah. <laughs> alive in Jersey, right? <laughs> yeah, alive in Jersey. Oh, man. And uh, no one will ever hear that come from my mouth again <laughs> after this pandemic. It will be New York City or it will be L.A. <laughs> You'll be at home, right? You'll be at home. Oh my God. Y- oh. Yes. Uh, dude. So uh, first off the bat, I think we should probably talk about why we missed a session. Um, things have been going on. I feel like the world's on fire. How are you guys doing? It's a small world after oh all. <laughs> no, so, you know, we, we took a week off. Um, and so for you guys, you've been without a show for a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, some, every once in a while, we are going to have to do that. And, um, you know, with everything going on in the world right now, it just wasn't in the cards to get behind the mics. Um, but we're here now. And we're going to talk about a few things this week. Uh, I don't anticipate it being a super long episode, um, but there's a lot of stuff going on that we should discuss. So you guys want to start with conferences and stuff like that? Or do you want, and then go into what we're writing and how we're holding up? Sure. Conferences going on? Well, yes, right stuff. now. Yeah. Um, I just did the Nebulas. Uh, that was online. <sighs> that was amazing. That. There were some. That. There were some really good speakers. Um, Fran Wild was on there. Um, Mary Robinette Kowal, of course, is the president. She organized a really wonderful conference, and I'm super excited that after it was done, um, they're going to do both in person um, next year and uh, online. So if you are someone who is disabled or you have a family, you are actually still going to be able to attend the panels. Um, and you can also um, attend like the mixers that they had, which were really fun. Um, everyone circulated into a room. They just did a really great job of organizing the whole entire event. I was really like, I was really excited for them and well, to be think- a part of it. And I think that's really interesting because of COVID and everything going on. Like, what do conferences look like while we wait to see what is going on globally with with COVID in general, right? So, so mm-hmm. can you explain? Because I am curious about this. So, you did have to pay a fee, correct? And as far as, and then I would love to know a little bit more about the um, mixer. Only in that because I know Nick and I have talked about this quite a bit um, as far as conferences we go to, and a lot of it is like you know, a bar con scene, you know, it's like where you You're drunk hang out and you, and you, you mean, know, have a couple of drinks. Well, some of us have Nick's a couple drunk. drinks and then <laughs> Nick's like girls going wild. Like, at the woo! Yeah. I'm buying everyone drinks. Take, no, but I mean, it's taking off his shirt, <laughs> but I mean, that's a big part of it. I mean, it's, it's mingling, it's drinking, it's, it's, it's networking. Right. And so how does yeah. that look in a virtual setting? So, First of all, did you have to pay money? And second of all, what did the online um, social aspect look like? It was um, $150. Uh, and you have access to the library of uh, SWIFA for a whole entire year. Um, most of the um, most of the panels were all uh, taped, so you can go and rewatch them. Um, you could interact. They had a chat corner, so you could ask questions either in the they made time for questions. Everyone, every moderator did it a little bit differently. Some people did it in um, the middle 
of um, like as once after they did everyone's introductions and they talked a little bit, some people waited until like the last 15 minutes, depending on what it was. Uh, you could watch the Nebulas, um, you know, live at the award show, which I, they did a really great job. Um, the host um, who hosted the Nebulas, I'm drawing a blank on her name, but she does this one web series um, Black Girl in a Big Dress, I think it's called. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you so you can do it. But she was hilarious oh, and wow. on point. It was so good. They, they just really did. I just love Mary Robinette because she really makes things as inclusive and as inviting as possible. Yeah. Um, and I just loved it. The panels were really good. I went to a couple panels about like pitching um, a graphic novel. Uh, how do you go about that? I went to a couple different panels about like middle grade fiction and oh, what is too adult for young adult or middle grade, which was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the one big piece I took from that is that it's don't talk down. You know, it's, it's not about talking down. It's not about censoring. It's really about telling the truest story um, that you can because kids go through things and they yeah. understand and uh fran wilde's uh riverland have either of you ever read that Mm-mm. no um it deals with abuse and oh. it doesn't shy away from it in a portal fantasy i want to add really? Really? um it's really touching and she won the nebula for that series yeah. and then uh carlos hernandez was also nominated it's called um sailing gabby uh break the universe okay um and that one is also, it deals very heavy on death, but it's also hilarious. <laughs> and there's a lot of Cuban culture um, throughout the book too, which I love. Um, well, we know somebody actually that won a Nebula. Um, Amal Amalter, she yeah. Yeah. co-wrote um, How to Lose the Time, or How, to, how, how to Do You Lose the Time War. With um, Max uh, Gladstone. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is, I just love that book. If you haven't read it, it's phenomenally good. I've read um, it three times. It's, it's so, so, so good. I mean, so I was stoked. I was getting some of those like, you know, news alerts and stuff on Twitter of who was winning stuff and that kind of thing. But then I'm like, and I knew you were there, Will. So I'm glad we got to talk about this. So so what did the, the social aspect, the mixer part look like? So listen, the, I mean, for me, like the social aspect, I, I'm so much better in person. Um but they did a great job. So you entered in and you were with like the tech crew, I like to call them. Mm-hmm. Mary Robinette was there and she would say, okay, Will, what room do you want to go to? And uh, sometimes there was the bar where you can go to the bartender and they actually school you on what drinks you can make. Oh, and really? they gave you a list at the start of the conference of what you could have in your house to make a couple of drinks that the oh, bartender right. can help you with. Yeah, it was really great. <laughs> then you would go over to like, um, another room, like they had all the different rooms named out of something spacefaring, I believe. Um, wow, that's cool. And you got to talk to everyone. I mean, I felt like I was always breaking into moderator mode, um, as <laughs> no I do. No way. <laughs> no way. Um, so I made everyone like tell me their name, where they're from, why are they at the nebulas? Uh, so that aspect of it was really uh, great. But yeah, I mean, I think what was really great is you got to go to the panels, you got to get asked questions. Um, the social aspect for me, I would still want it to be in person because I feel like you can have so much more fun. Well, I think the know? closest thing to that that I think Nick and myself have experienced is on the boat. 
when you are assigned to a table with a author or with a group of mm-hmm. other other folks on the cruise, uh, you know, on the retreat. And then like somebody has to, if it's just like five or if it's just like five, you know, four to six of you, someone has to kind of go into moderator mode. Right. And so like, it's like somebody has to ask questions and that kind of stuff and, and get the ball rolling. So it's, it's interesting to, I, I don't know, virtually that'd be hard. Cause I know being in person, there's something about actually physically having a drink in your hand, chatting with somebody and, and sitting down for a while. I mean, but I mean, or, or no. social cues. Yeah. Or like this guy clearly hates me. I'm going to leave. <laughs> you know, now I, I went to the reception um, just for the um, basically everyone who was nominated. And that was really fun because like certain people popped in, in each little room mm-hmm. so they could mix. And the, I talked to Fran again during that uh, mixer, which was really wonderful awesome. just to yeah. talk to her. She's just, um, really just warm and inviting. Yeah, she was great. Um, And it also made me super excited for um, Surrey, which this is the first time they're not going to have an in-person, you know, conference. They're doing it virtually. And I think it's going to be outstanding. Well, that's next on my list to talk about. So, um, so their plan is to do a virtual con this year, uh, (laughs) a retreat, um, conference, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so in Surrey, you know, Nick and I submitted to that contest at the end of the year last year, at the end of the cruise last year. Um, mm-hmm. So, and it's something I've always wanted to go to. And you know, talking to Kathy and stuff, of course, she wants us to go. And it's like, yeah, but Canada, you know, it's like <laughs> I can't, can't go to Canada. So, but having it virtually is a different thing, you know. We can look at I've, places to buy. Okay. Well, I've now, I been. I get me wrong. <laughs> I've been to Surrey in person for two years. It was really my first time that I really thought like, um, oh, hey, uh, maybe I could write. Uh, for me, it was really encouraging. I actually went after listening to Writing Excuses when Mary Robinette mentioned it. Yeah. And it was really my first time going to like a writing conference that actually, I know this is so weird because I went to school for writing. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, you just think you're in school. Um, like, oh, maybe I could do this. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just kind of like you see other people and like what they're writing. I mean, for me personally, like I love Surrey. I think they do great classes and everything. So it was like the first step I felt yeah. like in getting my feet wet. Yeah, we've got, we've gotten to know Kathy fairly well of the last couple of years in the boat. And she talks really highly of, of Surrey. And it's something I would really like to do honestly, one day. Um, and the fact to be able to do it virtually next year um, is really appealing to me. So I'm definitely planning on doing that. Well, what's great about Surrey this year is that they've made it affordable. I think it's 279 for the full pass, but they also have this option of pay what you can. Mm-hmm. They really want people, especially this year, just if you can't even afford the 279 you can actually reach out to them. Um, And they're also offering a bunch of more scholarships than normal. I believe um, they usually offer two. And um, from what I've read, that they're actually going to offer more than two for marginalized communities. Interesting. So like LGBTQ, the black community, anyone who's of color. um, And I also believe um, disabled, um, abled people. So I think they're... um, Eileen Cook and Casey Dyer um, are one of the like facilitators as well. And they also, 
if you ever get to take any of Eileen's classes, I tell everyone to take them because mm-hmm. they're so good. Well, and so uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to what Surrey is planning, whatever they have out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I plan on doing this. This is what, in October or November? It right? is in October. October. I believe it's I believe it's like, oh, actually, I have it up right now. Let me tell you when it is. I thought it was November. It is. No, it's October 23rd to the 25th. Okay. They're also the day before on October 22nd, they're going to do um, master classes, which these master classes, I believe, are usually about uh, two and a half hours long, um, sometimes longer. But the presenters, what I'm really excited is that Daniel Jose Older is actually coming back. Oh, awesome. And again, he's someone that if you've never taken a class with him, you should because one, he's really hilarious, but he's such a really, he's such a great teacher and he's really, um, I find him to be super patient and he just, he makes the energy of writing fun. Awesome. Well, and, and so speaking of conventions and again, um, and kind of bridging between the scholarships offered to, you know, the black community, for example, been a lot of stuff circulating with black lives matter right now, obviously um, we're not ignoring the state of the world. Um, We just haven't gotten there yet. Um, But it's interesting to see like on Twitter around fire magazine, for example, uh, there are folks out there willing to buy uh, subscriptions for folks if they just want them to help them expose them to black authors and black writing and stuff like that. Right. Um, so I've been watching that for a couple of days and um, it's, it's really wonderful to see all these folks say, Oh my God, I'm loving this. Thank you for this, for gifting me this subscription to this, you know, online magazine for black authors. Right. Um, so that, and then you said yesterday, and I, I thought I had seen this and I thought, I thought it was totally something else, but Faya is planning on doing their own con next year. Yeah. That's so exciting for them. It's super exciting. And I think they've been building up to it for a while. They've been trying to get money for it and figure out logistics and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, we don't know any more details. I'll put a link to the Twitter post that says that announces that it's happening for sure. Um, in the show notes, it'll be under FiaCon, but um, it's something we're gonna. I'm gonna have my eye on for sure. And um, my two uh, co-hosts today have told me that I can't not go, so I'm gonna go. Ta-da! Well, there's that. <laughs> yes, you have to go. Yeah. Also, too, if anyone who listens who's never checked out by it, I get every issue, and I've read every issue since it's came out, and. They have amazing writers and they have amazing content on there. It's so good. And I feel like it's just so important to read something that maybe might not be your lived experience. Right. It makes you a better person and it makes you a better writer. I, I actually love that you brought that up because I feel as you read things outside of your lived experience, you're going to break down internal biases that you have that you didn't know about. Um, which I, I find super important. I mean, it's we shoot when we talk to Aaron, sour milk girls. I haven't, I've never lived, you know, through adoption and being in a home and foster care and stuff like that. But that was a great read to have. And it, it talked about things that I felt like were relatable, but still very foreign to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about what we're doing and how we're doing. So what are we writing? What are we writing? What are we doing? What's our plan? What's our goals? Will, let's throw this one out to you first, because I haven't heard anything recently. Oh, as in well, like I broke three my, days. 
Well, tell me about it. Um, I haven't been writing it. Like, remember, I think the last time I was on, I was like, I wrote 6,000 words and it was amazing. And yeah, okay, great. I haven't written that much since. But um, I mean, honestly, like, let's cut me some slack here, people. Okay. We've been in Apocalypse um, 2.0 oh, yeah. um, since February. So um, I have been plotting. I've actually been reading for research. It's called A Burglar's Guide to the City, um, which is fascinating because it is all about how buildings are built to be broken into and architecture has blind spots, even with the best security. So for me, the novel that I'm writing is a space opera heist novel um, and super gay. So um, (laughs) I love it. I I love the stories of the antidotes of burglars in uh, the 1800s and early 1900s and then moving more towards modern. I finished a short story and I'm actually going to finish editing the one uh, uh, paradigm shift, which is a clone, uh, a clone love story, I guess, really a short story that I'm going to finish and I'll send to you guys. Nice. I've read your first draft of that, right? No, you've read, you've read the soul collector and I sent you a Marshall. I was like, I don't know if I should write this, read this. And I, it was like three paragraphs and you're like, yeah, we're into it write it oh yes i remember that yeah yeah yeah. that's yeah. awesome yeah okay. do that um and it was called burglars a burglar's guide to the city you said it is called uh the book i'm reading is a burglar's guide to the city okay by yeah. jeff manaha okay I'll, manaha. I'll, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes that sounds really interesting yeah um it's yeah. such a good nonfiction book it reads like it reads like fiction mm-hmm. but reporting as well it's really oh, it's really cool. really fun all right, Nick, what are you working on? What are you doing? <sighs> Nick well, finished his first draft. Yeah, you weren't going to get I, out of here without saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First, that's a big moment. It, and it is. And I know my first draft is still incomplete compared to what my, my final version is going to be. So, like, I'm still like, yeah, well, eh. I got yeah, here. Don't be like that. Don't, yeah. don't be like that. You actually have like your first draft done. Your first draft is not supposed to be your best. It is supposed to get the story out there. So as you can start learning what your world is. Yeah. You're doing great, buddy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Don't be Debbie Downer. Hey, hey. Okay. I'm actually right, a Karen, so... oh, God, here we manager. Excuse me. This is turning into your manager. This is turning into one of our late night late night happy hours. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, Not enough alcohol yet. I know, right? <laughs> uh, no one's even really started. Yeah. Uh, no, I I, I got the first. I know. Okay. <laughs> kind of. Continue. I got the first layer done. As is what I'm referring to. And yeah, it's, it's very bare bones. Like there's not even a full ending to it. Um, but I know how it's going to end. It's just a matter of there's so much more I need to add into it to tie the end together. So I'll be going through that. And so right now I'm plotting a, you have a really strong fantasy. characterization. I don't know if you heard me. I said, you have really I, strong characterization. Oh, thank you. You'll get the rest on July 1st. So tell me about what, what, what did oh. you say before I interrupted you? Okay, tease. I see how this is. <laughs> yeah. So I'm currently working on and plotting a, uh, a I guess it's a Renaissance fantasy. Um, that's kind of the stylistic that I'm going for, but it's all about 
not accepting the social social boundaries. And, you know, I, as we're going to talk about later in the, the whole current societal issues and the BLM and, you know, everything that's going on with that, you know, where's my voice in, in type of things? How can I imply this into my writing? Well, my intention with this story is to kind of have someone who comes from a noble house, who's the best of the best in this, what I call a triple sword or triple blade tournament. And uh, they decided to go basically go on an adventure. And now they get to see how other people live and it bothers them. But every time he turns around to say something in the noble houses and in the monarchy, like he gets hushed. Mm-hmm. to the point where like obviously he's gonna go and do something about it and like you know create his own house or whatever i don't know i haven't gotten that far yet i just know he's gonna see that hey this is wrong how we are treating this section of people and you know we need to do something about it and kind of kind of like an uprising where they're they're hmm, the main character of the story but they're not the protagonist of the war if that makes sense no it, it does and so why don't we uh use that as a as a segue into <laughs> i'm sorry marshall what are you working on no no yeah what are you working on marshall <laughs> come on. Working on uh so in the current climate and and everything going on i've been i've been having a really rough couple of weeks which is another reason why we didn't record the other day um so what am i working on um not much has changed since last time we spoke i have a piece that i sent out to a uh, couple folks, uh, Will included, just to get some feedback uh, for FIA Magazine. Um, and uh, what I forgot to say earlier, too, is FIA is offering, they got um, an anonymous donor, since it is an all-black publication, uh, made it so that the fee, the fees, the uh, prize money or the publication money is twice as much as it would be um, for this next round, which is, uh, they're open up to the end of this month. Uh, the theme is joy. Um, and so I'm hoping to submit to that. And then I've got a couple other pieces that I'm working on as well uh, that I want to get out this month too. And the last couple weeks of this month will basically just be working on my work in progress in the hopes of maybe possibly asking for an extension from my, from my, uh, my friend here because uh, <laughs> it may not be done. Mm-hmm. And I would like to get my book done by the end of the month and it may, I may need another, another week or so, but I'm, I'm hoping to hit the ground on that. But I say you turn in whatever you have and call it your first layer. <laughs> oh, is that what you did? I see. I see. That's the word. Is that the loophole? <laughs> I'm sorry. I gotta go. There's <laughs> two. Um, <laughs> anyway, so in in light of all this stuff going on, I've been kind of. Um, I, I wrote something personal that I put out there uh, yesterday or the day before, um, and yesterday actually that we're recording this, and it got a little traction online, um, at least on Facebook and stuff. Just it's just what I've gone through as far as race um, since I've been a kid and, and as an adult and that kind of thing. And um, I, it was something I felt like I had to write. Um, I was hesitant to put it out there because it is very, really putting a, a sense of vulnerability out there uh, for what I've gone through. But um, the feedback has been really positive so far and people, I feel like it was something I needed to say for my little community um, as a, as a, the only black teacher and one of very few black families in this little rural town. Um, just getting my, getting how I feel living here and what I've gone through and living in towns like this growing up and, uh, and the feedback I've gotten and uh, I've gotten students that I've taught in the past reaching back and, and 
and saying how much they appreciate being in my class. Not only that, how much, how much it meant to them for what I wrote. So I feel like it, it did, it did something to, for some folks and I'm, I'm really happy I did it. Um, I'm still feeling really weird about it, but, um, but that's, that was, that's been my focus for the last several days. has been that piece. So. When you say you feel weird about it, is that that you just feel vulnerable about it? I do. And I went to the grocery store today and, and I was talking to Will off mic about this before Nick got here. And it's like, he's like, is it really small enough to where if you go to the grocery store, you'll like see people, you know, it's like, you have no idea. <laughs> I said this town, like I, I'm lucky if I can get in and out of the grocery store without seeing three or four people I know. So it's, yeah, it's that kind of town. And so to have something that vulnerable out there in this small community bouncing around, you know, and knowing so many people in this town because of the various jobs I've had, being a teacher, a business owner, um, and working in a local restaurant and being a coach and all this other stuff that I do. um, Yeah. So it was kind of weird to go out in the world, but I just went to the store and came home, you know, and it's, it's no big deal. It's just, I had that little bit of anxiety around it, you know? Um, but I'm happy, you know, ultimately I'm happy I did it. Um, you know, my family, you know, I've, I've reached out to and some of my cousins and stuff like that. And it's, it's good to have this conversation. I feel like with some folks, cause I've had a lot of my white friends reach out to me and ask what they can do or how I'm doing and stuff like that. And it's just, it's been shitty. It's been really shitty, yeah. you know, and I have felt this way for a really long time. And when these things pop up, it's like, that's all this comes back up again. You know what I mean? So that's kind of the, the, the impetus for the, for the piece. So anyway, I, I, you was, know, that's what I've been working on. I can it was just really say, beautifully written. Was, yeah. Yep. Thanks. Will. I appreciate what you wrote and love sharing it. And yeah, you even got my grandpa to, to uh, make a comment saying everyone's worth is the same when you stop devaluing people along with some other religious subtext. But, and I've grown up knowing my grandpa was a racist until like the last 10 years. So it was really odd to hear, you know, something positive come out of my grandparents, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and watching all the, the, how much traction this particular, cause this is not the first time we've, you know, there's been protests around a, uh, a black man being killed by a cop, you know, or whatever it might be. And I, I, it's nice to see the traction and nice to see Mm -hmm. things changing around it. Um, and it's 2020, you know what I mean? I'm 41 years old and and the stuff that my dad, I talked to my dad yesterday and the stuff he went through around the civil rights movement and stuff like that. It's, it's crazy to see how far we haven't come, you know what I mean? (sighs) Uh, and, and to be in 2020 dealing with this stuff right now. So I don't know. I'm, that's, that's been my mo- most of my focus. I can't wait to go back to my fiction. I told Will it's my, my kid's birthday tomorrow. And so that's my whole focus tomorrow. And then Thursday, I'm going to be back to my writing and play a little golf and, and that kind of thing. And, and, uh, we'll see, see, uh, what I can turn out by the end of the month because I have my eyes on some stuff. So, uh, well, what? Yeah. so that's where we're at. I like it, uh, but I do Me appreciate too. your guys' support uh, for sure around this stuff, and and it's been nice being able to pull you guys into a Zoom call and talk to you about all of this, and 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 text you and be like, should I do this? You know that kind of thing. Um, and and I encourage everybody to, you know, learn as much as they can. I mean, if you're confused, if you need stuff, there's plenty out there now. Just go to the internet, and and <clears throat> and serious. And, and also, yourself, you know? I'd really like to mention a, um, a charity 
that yes, I please. think every one of our listeners should donate to. It's called Black Futures Lab. And it is about, um, there's a couple ways that you can donate, but the biggest thing that I love, it's called Black to the Ballot. Okay. It's, um, it's joining them in building Black political power by participating in our national voter registration drive and supporting the Black agenda of 2020. Awesome. Because when you... When you, um, and you know, this is maybe I'm getting on a soapbox, I don't know, but when you um, support the most marginalized and the most people who need it the most, everyone levels up. It is good for everyone. Absolutely. No one suffers, but this has just been going on too long. And if you have any amount of privilege, then it is your responsibility to uplift anyone who is marginalized, period. Yeah. And, and thank you for mentioning that. And like I said, I'm, I'll have a link in the show notes. I wrote it down as you were talking and, and it's, it's huge. It's important. And a lot of, that's been my response to a couple of folks and some folks I don't know very well, actually someone from the cruise reached out to me recently too. And, and was like, I don't know, I don't know you very well, but is there anything I can do? And I said, you know, support black creators. And he's like, done. What else can I do? I was like, I'll let you know. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Cause what else? I mean, we have to, we have to hear these voices. We have to hear these experiences, you know what I mean? In order for things to change, I feel like, you know, and that's the super important. Let me, I want to ask you something real quick, Marshall, on this sure. topic. Like what was the first black science fiction or fantasy author that you've read? And what did you take away from it? Wow. Um, so interestingly, I didn't read that much black science fiction. I didn't really have, there wasn't that much out there that I've, you know, this is before internet. New. And, and yeah, I didn't, totally. I didn't know anything like that existed. I didn't know when I, when I told myself, it's so funny. I told my wife this the other night and, and, and I, I wish I knew his real last name. We just called him Mr. R. Um, he was my seventh grade teacher and he always did, he did this creative writing unit or chunk of time in class. And he, that's when I realized I really, I wanted to write. I was already reading fantasy and I wanted to write fantasy. And that was the first time I wrote. And, um, but I only read stuff that I was given. And a lot, and it was all white authors, you know. Um, and so when I got to college, actually, and this is going to be really weird. I'm, I'm certain I read other science fiction before this. In fact, I think it could have been Octavia Butler, um, but it might have been after. It was somewhere around there um, when I met my wife. But when I took a couple classes from my first black teacher, which was in the tail end of college um, at UC Santa Cruz, and um, he, he had us read a bunch of Samuel Delaney. Um, and stuff like that, and Tenerife do, um, and and that's really my exposure to black sci-fi and fantasy was was then. And I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking we're talking almost twenty years ago now. Not even. I mean, this was two thousand three, two thousand two, something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it. I have not been. Ex- I was not exposed to it until I got to college and had a black teacher say, "Read this thing by this black author." You know, of course, I had read black authors before, but sci-fi fantasy was a different story. I mean, um, so yeah, that's, and how did it affect me? Uh, it was profound to see how much where they came from and their experiences filtered into the fiction and it realized, and I realized kind of then that that's what I wanted to do with my fiction as well. You know what I mean? Like if I'm going to write fantasy, I want to make sure that the issues I've dealt with, um, you know, race and marginalization, all that kind of stuff is, is, is in there as well, you know? And of course it's been present in fantasy because, you know, if you're talking, you know, if all the dwarves hate all the elves and they're oppressed, I mean, that's something. But at the same time, it's, it, 
it's something I wanted to bring a little more emphasis to if I could. So I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it was, it, it took me a while. It took me a while. It, it does make sense. Um, who do you read currently that you want to shout out? Uh, who do I read currently? Shoot. Um, I mean, Maurice Broadus for sure. Um, Maurice, I love, um, his, um, Knights of Breton court is a great, yeah, um, great. Uh, urban fantasy series. Definitely read that. I haven't read it. I've started it. I haven't finished it yet, but, um, we've talked about Sue Davies, um, uh, his, uh, uh, David Mogo, Mogo. uh, God Hunter. Um, yeah. so I can't wait to finish that. Um, yeah. And I still have Buffalo Soldier to read by Maurice as well, but I mean, I'm, you know, those are the ones that I know. Don't <laughs> stop it. I've got dude, same here. That's it's me. The it's me sitting part. down and reading a book is a story. If it was on Audible, it'd have been I've done l- years ago. <laughs> I've literally read it five times already. Yes, yeah, and pimped my airship. But you're a fast reader. See, that's the difference, dude. I'm a slow reader, and I don't have time to sit and write and read. And we've had this conversation. You're throwing me on the bus know, on my own I show. Know. I know you're doing. I'm not throwing you under the bus. No, <laughs> I'm not throwing you under the bus. But I love, I love Buffalo Soldier and Pimp My Airship, which um, is. In, the same universe. Um, and I, I've read all, I've read uh, the Knights of Breton Court as well, which I and, really love. And just to go back to a couple of the authors I mentioned earlier, um, Tanarive Du, um, she wrote um, Her My Soul to Keep, uh, the vampire series back in the day. That's so, 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 so good. Um, and then, um, of course, we talked about this the other day, um, Octavia Butler, um, Parable of the Sower, couldn't be more relevant I mean, right now. I mean, it's literally what we're doing. Every. <laughs> Everything that she's written is so visceral and page turning. Um, I feel like we lost her way too soon. I know. And it's prophetic too. It's interesting to, I actually used, um, when I wrote my last paper I wrote, I believe I used her and a couple of other authors um, to, you know, support my thesis. Um, But it was kind of about looking to the future and all these ways we've kind of foreseen what's happening and how we can change and that kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's a trip, man. I mean, but we lost her too early, but you can't, you have to go her back. Her works are, read, read, yeah, her works read are her amazing. <laughs> I just read her. Um, I just read the Xenogenesis series and it was, was it good? Haunting. Yeah, I have not oh, read yeah, that one yet. So good. Okay. So good. Um, and Tanner, Tanner of do uh, the good house. I don't know if you read that one. So that I read the first one scary. and I got through, Part of the good house, and I got so I have it somewhere in hardcover because I was taking a class then. For the class we read oh. the, the book before it, no, that's a standalone. I'm thinking of my soul to keep. I do have the good the good house, and I read half of it, I think. Um, but I mean, we're talking a long time ago. But I have it, and I should go back to it. Um, I love her writing, and she's doing amazing things out there too. So follow her. <laughs> Right on. I, you know, as you guys were talking about that, I'm going back and thinking, like, man, like, who was the first black author that I read? And I honestly don't know because growing up, I never looked up who the author was. Like, I didn't go and Google search their images and stuff like that. Like, right. I just picked up a book and read it. And if I liked it, I read the next one. Like, right. that's kind of what I did. And so now, like, to think about it consciously, Maurice was one of my first ones. Mm-hmm. Um, N.K. Jemison, I had to read her stuff. Um, so, which I've only read the Broken Earth series, which I want to um, get back into. And, and, and then I go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna I was gonna say, and then it's currently I would say Sui's 
Sue, I hope he gets a massive book deal and he's able to throw he had, even more. He got out a there. three book deal from Tour. Did he? Good for him. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, the, the his style of writing is so awesome, and like yeah, he's being, so good. God Hunter, I can't recommend God Hunter enough because it it's not European fantasy, mm-hmm. and that's that's something I like seeing um, because mm-hmm. I per, call me crazy or not, but I love Middle Eastern culture, the way they dress, the way they used to fight, and things like that. Um, and so, like, I want to see more of that, and I just love it even more because it's set in Nigeria, right? Right. Did I get that right? Well, I think it's Nigeria. Nigeria. That's what he told us. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It's said Nigerian. Nigeria. Yeah, he's Nigerian American. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. He um, Sui builds really well. Um, Nikki Drayden. I don't know if anyone's ever read Nikki's work. She does great work. Um, also, Nettie Akorfer. Her Akata Witch series is the most inventive, fun young adult series that is so good. And what annoys me most is when people call it uh, Harry Potter Nigerian fantasy. It Uh. is not at all. It is 10 times more imaginative and better than (laughs) Harry Potter. And you're talking to someone who loves Harry Potter. That series is unique and stands on its own. And um, Nettie Akorfer... Her Binti series is also really great. I could. My wife, my wife read that one. I haven't read it, but um, <sighs> she read that one. I know she's stoked about it. Um, and and so your good. your question earlier was more about uh, black sci-fi fantasy authors, right? Because Correct. I did. I, I I read. I mean, and and I don't want people to think I didn't read black authors before. I'm a huge Langston Hughes fan. Um, I read. Of I course. have I have a bunch of his stuff and that kind of thing. I mean, it's like I've I've read black authors, but again, it's like okay, but sci-fi fantasy, it's, it's a totally different deal. So um, I don't know. I I'm, I'm, can't wait to read more. This summer is going to be good for that. <laughs> yeah, it's also different too. Like I was saying this before, of, um, I think growing up just being gay and everything, I constantly saw the narratives of people dying from HIV and AIDS and not having like all these failed relationships in it. And like, well, those there's definitely a generation of gay men who saw their friends die because of AIDS. I was not part of that generation and I never found myself in any stories. I was always left out of everything. And it wasn't until I started reading lately because the only reason this is happening is because we need diverse books from uh, Donnell Clayton um, when she started that. So the first time, I don't know that I really saw something that I I wasn't being murdered. I wasn't dying of um, AIDS. I could have a successful relationship was in 2015 and it was a young adult book by Adam Silvera and it wasn't even fantasy. And then when I found fantasy that actually had um, any LGBTQ characters that was like, wow, I can actually have adventures and I've never seen that. And it totally changed the way. Yeah, it, I could it, see myself in media. It makes a huge difference when, and and we've talked about this quite a few times. But when you see yourself, when you're actually seeing yourself in media, it's it's that's when you can identify the most, and you're going to follow those authors, and you're going to love that stuff, and want to create and 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 
give back to that. I think, you know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. how, how many, I don't know. And I'm a big geek. I mean, how many Marvel movies did, did we watch <laughs> until we saw one that's centered around a black character that meant something, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I don't know. And, and that's comic books. I mean, that's, we're talking something that was, you know, well over 50 years old. And of course it makes sense, but it's like, how can we change that narrative? You know? Um, and I hope that, I hope, I hope with everything going on in the world, all this stuff, plus the pandemic, um, we get some amazing, amazing stuff um, that we can see ourselves in, you know? So. 100%. Well, if there's nothing else, gents, uh, I thanks again, Will, for, for joining us. This is, yeah, this thanks is, for having it's me. It's always awesome chatting with you, man. And, um, and, you know, we'll report back in a couple of weeks and maybe the world won't be on fire. Maybe it will still be on fire, but hopefully we... We'll still be here. Hopefully we keep writing and we'll still be here, right? <laughs> we will. 100%. We'll have 10,000 words written collectively by next episode. It's fine. That's it? All right. We're done. That's good. All right. We're good. 10,000 is perfect. <laughs> hey, I'm already 1,000 so now. So, so you write 9,000 and I'll write one. 500. And then I'll write the next 500. Yes, exactly. That's perfect. The math, okay. the math holds up. Done. <laughs> done and yeah. done. You heard it here first. Uh, You guys are great. This has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers by writers to keep you writing. I am at Darth Pops on Twitter and Nick is at Bright Inks. You can find this show on iTunes and your favorite podcatchers. So like and share this show with your writing community. If you'd like to share or discuss anything we talked on the show or whatever you have going on, you can post it on our Discord channel, Facebook page, or send it to me. I am Marshall at MarshallCar.com or Nick at Nicholas Bright at BrightInks.org. You can find our writing and the show notes for each episode on our websites, marshallcar.com and brightinks.org. Lastly, if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash just keep writing. And you can find us there and give us a couple bucks an episode and help us do what we do. And we can help you now. Just keep writing.